Triple Seven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Reddish. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hoop Seven's Basketball Hustle. Well and truly towards the middle stage of the NBL season now and we've been able to bring you eight shows already here off the podcast. Hopefully you've been enjoying it. We're certainly enjoying bringing it to you and there continues to be plenty to talk about in the basketball world. The NBL's on fire. Lamelo Ball setting the world alight. The Sydney Kings, even though they look unbeatable on top of the ladder, they continue to get better. Our podcast here is creating some discussion points with, with the fourth quarter segments that are, are brought to you by my co-host and the man in the moment, the Perth Wildcats legend, Sean Redditch. Thanks for joining us once more. Thanks, Pikey. It's been a fun first little uh, part of the year and, and looking forward to a great second half as well. Absolutely. Now, one thing we haven't spent much time talking about, Sean, is what you're up to now. Can you talk us through quickly how you're going with Redditch basketball at the moment? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a, we're really enjoying it. It's grown quite a bit over the couple of years since I retired. We started with about four schools. Um, now I think uh, this term we're at running the program is about 28 local schools uh, around the area here in Perth. So, And we're getting requests for, for new schools each term. So it's it's a lot of fun got teaching the kids uh, basketball. And then I've got some elite programs I'm running as well. And uh, a lot of that stuff out of the out of Bendat Basketball Center and kind of partnered with the Perry Lake Hawks. So we're teaching uh, a lot of the Hawks players there. Hopefully some some new moves and 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 developing them. And then also got some tours. Got a tour to the United States next year. Take a couple teams over there and play high school. So it's keeping me busy. But uh, and that's that's one of the things when you when you do finish, you you got to find your passion. And uh, I'm really loving what I'm doing at the moment. Fantastic. If anyone wants to get coached by you or to learn more about it, where can they find some information to, to get involved with Redditch Basketball? Yeah, it all, you can head to our website, redditchbasketball.com is, uh, is the place to go. And then you just send me an email or give me a phone call. I'm uh, passionate about getting kids uh, better and, uh, and, you know, making sure that they're uh, learning the game the right way. Hard to imagine many people better to learn from. So if you want to, if you want to get coached by Sean Reddish, that's how you can get in touch with him. But let's move on with the show, Sean, because we've got plenty to talk about. And we're, of course, here thanks to Hoop7. So head to hoop7.com.au, special code word, hustle, and you can get a special discount. So support those sponsors that support us here at, at Basketball Hustle. Now we want some feedback as well. Your fourth quarter segments are starting to take off, Sean. So if you head to our, our Facebook page, just type in Basketball Hustle, head to Twitter, Bball Hustle, pod or at Instagram, hustle.basketball. Give us some feedback because your fourth quarter segment last week was a, a fascinating talking point. The NBL going back to 48 minutes. There's there's a lot of reasons for it and I think the one major one is to be more like the NBA. If we want the next star players to come out here and get ready for the NBA, then playing 48 minute games is a is, is a massive part of getting ready for taking that next step. So I think if we can provide a game that's as similar to the NBA as possible, then I think, I think that's a huge bonus. But also one of the points you made last week was with the rosters in the NBL so deep right now with 11 players full of quality players that extra eight minutes could could be career defining for, for guys to get more court time and I think it creates an extra eight minutes of entertainment for people in the stands and people watching on, on TV the other point you made last week was that initially it was to fit it into a two hour package for TV but the games are going over two hours anyway now so that seems a null and void point as well so it seems like it's almost a, non, a no brainer what sort of feedback have you got from last week? 
Yeah, I've, I've talked to a few people about it, and, uh, and I think they really like the idea. Um, I think the people that, uh, especially the ones that have known the NBL for a long time, uh, really missed that 48-minute game and, and what, it, what it was able to provide. So, And I think for the young players as well, I just think look at a guy like Reese Vague at the moment. He's only playing a couple minutes here and there, spot minutes. But uh, if he had those those extra eight minutes in a game, well, now he's playing 10, 12 minutes, and he's been probably would have done it for the last couple of years. And and his development, uh, you know, I think he's he's definitely improved. But probably would just give him a little bit more court time out there, which is is only going to help. So, and I think it just also gives a different pathway than having to go over to college in America to, to develop as well, or just being a development player, that can be hard when you're not able to see the court. So I think there, there's a lot of positives and, and with the alignment of the NBA and the NBL and the fact that the league, you know, these, these young guys, they don't have to worry about language barriers that they may, if they go over to a, say the Spanish league or, or somewhere in Europe, it, the, the cultures are, are pretty similar. And now you've got a game that's 48 minutes. They know they're going to get some, some court time and they're going to play against quality opposition and get some exposure as well. So I think there's a lot to, to like about it. And, uh, you know, I think that's something the NBL should definitely consider in the future. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you convinced me on your, on the fourth quarter last week. As a player, the change probably happened halfway through your career. So you had the first half of your NBL career playing 48 minutes and then the last seven or eight seasons playing 40 minutes. Did it Was it much of an adjustment for you going from, from 48 to 40 minutes as a player? Look, it, there was. A, I felt like each possession was a little bit more magnified in a 40-minute game. Mm. Um, and obviously that, that, that makes sense. You know, a turnover in a 48-minute game when you're getting, uh, you know, 60, 70, 80 possessions in a game may not be. But as soon as you take down 10, 20 possessions, you know, the, it becomes a little bit more uh, – those turnovers become a little bit more costly. So it, it, you definitely – and I found also you could probably press a little bit more and play a little bit more high-tempo defense in a 40-minute game compared to a 48-minute game. Um, so the, and from that, that regard, but I, I personally like the 48-minute game. I, I wanted to be out on the court as much as I could. So, uh, you, you know, you got more shots, got more opportunities to, uh, to score. And, uh, funny enough, I don't think I won a championship when we were playing 48, but won a, won a couple in the 40-minute game. So maybe, uh, maybe, maybe it's not a good thing, but I just think, uh, I enjoy the 48-minute game a lot more. But you did put up put up some remarkable numbers in the forty eight minute minute game as well, Sean. One of those was a was a triple double, and you were the last player until until Monday night to put up put up thirty two points and thirteen assists in a game. The man that took that off you was the youngest man in NBL history to record a triple double. Lamelo Ball suddenly is the talk of the basketball world right now, and that triple double was remarkable to see because not only was he putting up numbers, but it was a, a game winning performance. He put the team on his back. He made big plays the whole night through, and he just looked like somebody that that is already a superstar, even though he's eighteen years of age. Yeah, it's pretty scary when you think uh, how young he is, and he's just putting. Up. I mean, look, I thought he would. Uh, I thought he would play well, and I think you know the Illawarra has given him basically the license to come out there and play his game. And he's taken that, but he's taken it. He's blown away my expectations. I mean, to get a triple double in this league, you look at not even a guy like Bryce Cox 
and been able to do that. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a pretty impressive performance. And you know, if he isn't already on the map, which we know he is, as far as being the number one pick, you got to think that that really truly puts him into the elite discussion for that that um, that opportunity come in a, in a few months time. So. You know, I think he's uh, turning heads in the basketball world, and it's great to see him do that in in the NBL. What did you make of the of the game that he played played itself? He he shot the ball pretty well. He, he did go four of seven from three, and and he of course hit the the big three to send the game into overtime. So he's he's shooting's improving, but to me, his great strength continues to be getting to the basket because his first step, nobody can keep up with him. He he gets to the to the rim whenever he wants to, and I think that is what makes him a special player right now because he can he can take anybody off the dribble and then he can finish remarkably. But he's his passing's always also on point. So once he gets inside the paint. He can either find somebody by dishing off those passes or finish himself. And to me, that's his great strength. And it's probably even magnified now because he's starting to hit some of his outside shots that you have to be mindful of his shooting. I guess you have to get up on him high and then he can blitz by you. That's the, I mean, once you've got those two things working for you, it makes you pretty tough to stop. Yeah, I just think if he's uh, he's going to have to continue to develop that three-point shot, I think that makes him so much dangerous. I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, like a guy like Steph Curry that's just a knockdown. You have to crowd him and you play him for the three more than the draw. But if he can make those guys be respectable to the three, you know, look at a guy, not the same, they have the same uh, – but like a Westbrook or a Chris Paul, those guys that you've got to – respect at the three-point line maybe not they're not knocked down three-point shooters but you got to respect and then he's just got the ball on the string and he, you're right when he gets into the paint that team looks so much better and that's got to be his, his mentality the rest of the year that i'm going to attack i'm going to make these guys guard me and then uh and then either i'm going to score or i'm going to find a, a teammate when i get into the paint and then you know they scored over over 100 points. He hit that yeah. big three, which has always been the question mark with him, but he's a, he's a big-time player and, and made a big-time shot when the team needed it. Probably a good comparison. I reckon he's a little bit bigger, but Russell Westbrook, he's he's a very similar type of player, player to him. That's I think he's got a lot of the same traits where you put him into a 48-minute game, you put him into the NBA, and these triple-doubles could become a regular thing for him. Yeah, well, it seems like everyone's getting triple doubles in the NBA these days. Yeah. But Russell Westbrook is taking it a whole to another level and averaging a triple double. I'm yeah. not sure he's got the athleticism of a Westbrook. I mean, that yeah. guy is, is world class in his athleticism, but I think you're right in the way he can get by his defender and then make him make him play. I think there, there's definitely some similarities there. In terms of the, the the other next star players in the league right now, do you feel like Lamelo's a fair way ahead of RJ Hampton? I feel like they came into the league pretty much on even footing. I think a, a lot of people felt that, that they were, you know, there wasn't much separating the pair of them. Do you feel like Lamelo's gone a fair bit ahead of RJ at the moment, or how do you how do you see the comparison between the two? Yeah, I would say that Lamelo is is is, is ahead of RJ. Um, there's just those tools. You just kind of got this natural feel for the game. And RJ is a very good player, but I don't think I've, I've been able to see both of them live now. And, and I'm not sure, uh, RJ has that just, uh, I don't know, that star ability that, that, uh, LaMelo has, um, on, on the court. So I think, I think they're both going to be very good players, but I think LaMelo is definitely going to be a, uh, you can draft it higher than, than RJ at this stage. 
very short on words in his his interviews, though. I'm sure you you've noticed pre and pre and post game. I imagine you probably have to dish out some money to get much more out of him. Is that how you would operate if you're a superstar like like someone as part of the the Ball family? Well, I think he's probably used to having Lavar, his dad, speak mainly for him. <laughs> so that's actually what's one of the things I've been been waiting for. We haven't heard a lot from Lavar Ball. That's, that's probably been a good know. thing for Lamelo. But uh, you know, from a uh, point of view and some publicity for the league, I'm sure we'll we'll hear from Lavar at some stage. And uh, and 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 I think uh, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what he has to say. But everything's going well and probably better than expected. So. He doesn't need to say a whole lot. The other one is is Didi Lozada of the Sydney Kings. Obviously, he's a little bit different because he's already been drafted, but he looks to be he looks to be almost a finished product right now. Even though he's come out to the NBL to develop for a year before playing in the NBA next season, how do you compare Didi a year on from both Lamelo and, and RJ? How do you compare the three of them? Look, I, I, yeah, I think Didi's probably a little bit more of a polished player. Uh, he, he, obviously, he can shoot it better than than both of those guys. And I think anytime you can shoot the ball, especially from from range, it makes him a dangerous player. And just his athleticism as well. So I think all three of those guys will be in the NBA next year, and and probably Lamelo might have the biggest impact. But I could see Didi really kind of being that. Uh, similar to a Terrence Ferguson, that that three and D guy that can knock down the three and then play, provide some energy on the, on the defensive end as well. So I kind of see his role where I think Lamelo Ball is probably going to have the ball in his hands and and uh, be a little bit more showtime in, in the NBA. And from an Australian perspective, in terms of a, a young player, Kuat Noy, he's putting up some good numbers at the Cairns Taipans. He, he doesn't lack confidence, and he proved that from the start of the season when he came in and, and said that he wanted to be the best rookie since Joe Ingles that played in, in the NBL. But suddenly his game is starting to back it up. His three-point shooting's got a lot better. He's a really good rebounder. He's a good athlete. He's not going to be a top-10 pick like a like a, or a top-five pick like a ball or, or a Hampton, obviously. But he, he might be a, a second-round smoky for the, for the draft next year. How do you see Kuat Noy's development? Yeah, no, I think he he has from the you know preseason. He had some pretty good games in the preseason, and then uh, as you expect from a rookie, a bit up and down. But over the last few weeks, he he seems to be finding his groove, and and I like the way he plays. It kind of reminds me a little bit of a. Uh, Mitch McCarron in the way that he can rebound and knock down the three and do a little bit of everything. And uh, I think he, he'll get a look at the NBA. He'll probably get invited to some summer league and uh, and hopefully get his shot there. But if not, I expect him to uh, do some big things here in the NBL over the next few years if, if he decides to stay in the league. Now, let's keep moving. The Sydney Kings, they are the dominant team in the league right now. They sit clear on top of the ladder at 10-1. and one. They've won their last four games. They look invincible, and they've still got Kevin Lish to come back into that team. And like we talked about last week, it looks like Andrew Bogut's still playing on on probably a minutes restriction just to try to freshen him up a little bit. So they've got some natural improvement to come, even though they're looking dominant. And now this week, they've they've signed another another boomer, someone who was part of the the World Cup squad before he got injured, Xavier Cooks. It's remarkable that a team already so good can continue to get better. It is pretty scary that uh, they were able to get Xavier Cooks. And, and I remember him from, he was a development player with the Illawarra Hawks before he went over to college and could help hold his own then. And, and I expect him to uh, do some great things. And, and let's think about this as well. Southeast Melbourne, Phoenix, and Mitch Creek, the leading scorer in the league, was actually cut 
from the mm-hmm. Boomers for Xavier Cook. <laughs> so we're talking about the Sydney Kings, who are 10-1 and one and look almost unbeatable on a, on a nightly basis, have just signed a guy that was favored over the leading score in the league in Mitch Creek. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's a little bit, uh, you know, the, the wealthier get wealth, wealthier, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the Sydney Kings have just uh, added another dynamite piece to that puzzle to a team that I thought was already maybe the most talented we've seen in the NBL. So pretty scary for the rest of the league. Now, this has become possible over the last three seasons once the, the league has softened the rules on the salary cap. So you can now go over the $1.4 million salary cap. You just have to pay, I guess, for lack of a better term, the luxury tax, which is then supposed to be spread between the rest of the league, however much you spend over it. So are you, are you happy that you're now able to do that? Because clearly, if you have a look at this Kings team, when you've got boomers like Andrew Bogut, Cooks, Lish, Newley, even kick it. You got two outstanding in Jashawn Tate and Casper Ware. Um, you've got your next star in Diddy Lozada. And then even you have nine, tenth, and eleventh guys, I guess, are Craig Moller, Sean Bruce, and Lucas Walker, who are, who are all outstanding players in their own right. Clearly, that's a team that is probably three or four times over the salary cap. Um, are you happy that the league is allowing that at the moment, or would you prefer a hard salary cap to be enforced like, like I guess you played under most of your career? Now, and here's why I don't like it, and I think it was it was one of those things where the NBL was in viable mode, and they were trying to keep the teams because we were losing teams. I think they're in a pretty good place, and obviously, if you're from a small market, say a Cairns and Illawarra, and you're gonna you're gonna say, oh, but you know, how do we compete with that? So let's not forget Illawarra two years ago. Uh, or three years ago, made the made the grand final mm-hmm. um, under Bevo. So it's not no, that it, 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 it and Kings. They've made between the four grand finals in the last no, eight, eight or nine years. Yeah, exactly. And why I think that we don't want that hard cap is one, you're not going to get a Xavier Cooks to come back yeah. if you can't spend a little bit more and uh, and go get him. Or you're not going to get a Bogut to come back into the league. You're not going to get some of these. Uh, talented Australians that we see coming back from Europe now and uh, just making the league better and better. So, uh, you know, in the Wildcats, they may not be able to sign a Bryce Cotton if they can't, uh, if they can't go over the salary cap a little bit more. And so that's where my thinking is, Hey, if these teams want to spend to try, obviously that money's got to go back to the teams that probably aren't spending that. I think that's how, that's how it works with the with the luxury tax. I'm not on. Uh, I don't know the ins and outs of all of that, but that's my understanding of how it was set up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just making the league, and the league's only getting stronger. So you know, I don't think the league has been in a better position since I've been come to Australia uh, almost 15 years ago. So it's uh, you know, I think if you if you go back to a hard salary cap, you're actually going backwards. Yeah, I agree. I think the more talent we can get in the league, the better. The amount of talent on that Kings team is remarkable, but but that's exciting for a team like like Adelaide or Cairns or Illawarra who can't spend that money. Suddenly, if you can upset that Kings team and beat them, it means a hell of a lot more. So it, it, it in some ways helps your motivation level because it puts a big target on their back and it fires everybody else up to try to beat them. And I think, yeah, I mean, obviously it, it creates for an uneven spending in terms of what each team would be spending. But yeah, I think that for the benefit of having that much talent in the, in the league, I, th- yeah, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good thing. Um, but it, what it does for the Kings, to me, it means that it's championship or bust. If this team doesn't win the championship this season, would it be considered a failure? 
Well, I think the way they started, I mean, we saw a few years ago Sydney King started uh, pretty pretty strong. I think they're eight and yeah, two. Especially on the guys, three. I think they started on fire, yeah. Yeah, and they, they kind of fell away. But, I mean, this is a different team. I don't expect that to happen uh, again. And I think, you know, this is – my thinking right now, this is the most talented team I've seen in the NBL. So, but it, there's a lot of things that have to go right for you to win a championship. So, you know, I'm not, I don't think anyone in the league is just going to hand them, hand them their rings. They're going to have to earn it. And I expect, you know, the way Melbourne's playing that they're, uh, they're going to be right there in the end and, and the Wildcats as well. Now, the opposite is happening with the Aurora Hawks, where even though they got a good good winner against Cairns on Monday night, they still haven't signed an import replacement for Aaron Brooks, and he's been he's been injured for, oh, it must be almost a month by now. Um, I think they were pretty keen on Xavier Cooks, obviously with his dad still working at the club and with his ties to the Hawks, so I think that is one player that fell through that they were hoping to sign. But are you surprised that they haven't been able to secure somebody... <laughs> So far, and if you're if you're the Hawks, do you still try to bring somebody in? And what sort of player do do you need to to bring in? Mindful of knowing that everything you do probably has to make sure that you keep Lamelo Ball happy. Yeah, well, I think they, they definitely need to bring someone in. Uh, you know, there's. They're sitting on, on three wins at three and eight at the moment. And I mean, they're only a couple games out of getting into that, that top four spot. So if they really yeah, want to push, is wide open. yeah, if they really want to push for that, that top four spot, they've, uh, they've got to, you know, I think get someone to, to cover for Aaron Brooks. And we saw how well he played at the start of the year. And, and I thought that he made their team a little bit tougher. You know, I don't think, uh, Lamella Ball is going to be able to get a triple double on a nightly basis. They probably, I mean, I, I'm surprised that uh, Xavier Cooks, uh, knowing the connection there with the Cooks and, and the Hawks, that he wasn't there, probably just tells you that Sydney made a, a pretty good offer to Xavier and something he couldn't refuse that the Hawks couldn't match. So they're going to have to, uh, they're going to have to do some work uh, pretty quickly. Though I would have thought they would have already uh, made made a move, and, ma- and maybe they are, but. Uh, Maybe there's some things in the background as far as getting that player signed and, and cleared as well. So we'll uh, we'll have to see. But I think if you're the Hawks, you got to try and do something uh, to kind of save, get yourself back into contention, especially after you get that big win against mm-hmm. Kansas to kind of get you back into the thick of things. And, and, you know, I think if they lose that, they go two to nine. That's, that's yeah. a little bit harder to come back for them. Uh, you know, they've got that, that third win now. Hopefully that can uh, give them some momentum. Now let's keep moving, Sean. Let's have a look quickly at the round eight results from the from the NBL. Thanks to Hoops Heaven, started on Friday night. It was a high scoring game. It was an exciting game. An important win for the Brisbane Bullets over the Adelaide Thirty Sixes, one hundred six to one hundred four. Then on Saturday, the Sydney Kings got the job done in Melbourne against the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, ninety to eighty six. The Cairns Taipans, as you predicted, without Tariko White, were able to beat the Perth Wildcats, ninety one to eighty four. And then Melbourne United, too good for the Brisbane Bullets, one hundred eight ninety four. And then in a, a remarkable high-scoring game. Corey Webster got hurt for the New Zealand Breakers and the Adelaide 36ers were too good, 117 to 100. And then as we talked about before, on Monday night with Lomelo Ball leading the way, the Laura Hawks too good for the Cairns Taipans, 114 to 106. What stood out to you from what you saw in, in round eight, Sean? Well, it's quite surprising. And I know we, we predicted that Cairns would win without Tariqo wide, but the way the Perth Wildcats played in the first three quarters, and then to see Cairns go on an 18-0 run against the reigning champs was uh, was very, to me, the most surprising result 
um, from that that round. And not not that Cairns won that game because I know that's a tough game, but the, as well as per play for three quarters, and then to kind of uh, Cairns somewhere somehow turn it around was a pretty impressive performance from Cairns in that fourth quarter. And just shows you that you got you got to play four quarters in this league to to get a win and and credit to Cairns. But you know, the team with Bryce Cotton on there to go the other team going an 18-0 run um, that was surprising to me. And um, you know, I think just shows the strength of the league. The other thing, quickly, the New Zealand Breakers now. Now that they've lost Corey Webster, I haven't seen the news on how long he's out for. But but if if they can if they lose him, then I think it's it's almost curtains on their season. They're already two and eight. Um, do you see any way back for the Breakers this season? It's going to be very tough. It's going to be very tough, especially losing Corey Webster. He was kind of that game breaker that uh, most teams didn't have an answer to, and he can score in bunches. So he, um, to, to, to lose them, we don't know how long it's going to be for, but I think it, they are talking about getting Scotty Hobson, who uh, Homicide has said is the best player in the league. So he's really yeah. going to have to step up his game if, mm-hmm. uh, if the New Zealand Breakers are going to compete, get back into this. But I, I, I don't see them being able to uh, consistently get wins in, in as tough a league as it is this year. So. I think it's gonna it's gonna be tough, and if I'm them, I'm starting to build that culture for next year and figure out the gods yeah. that we want to stay with our team long term. Okay, that was round eight in the NBL. Thanks to Hoop Seven. Let's keep moving here on basketball hustle. Moving to the interview phase of the show, Sean, and I've caught up with Leonard Copeland, a man who, by the time you already arrived in the league, he was a, a superstar from his Melbourne Tigers days. You did spend a little bit of time playing against him towards the back end of his career. Um, what did you know about him when you first arrived in the league, and what do you know about him now, fifteen years on? Look, I just saw the highlights of him and Andrew Gage just dominating the league, scoring 30, 40 every night and throwing alley-oops, uh, you know, Andrew Gage throwing alley-oops to him and, and just the excitement that he brought. And, you know, he was just a showman out there on the court. So he, he was great for the league. And I think it was, you know, when the league was in its prime and stuff, that was when uh, they had guys like Lamar Copeland and Al Bruton and just showmen out there on the court. So it's, uh, you know, credit to him he, he's really uh, done some great things here in Australia and yeah I'm excited to hear what he has to say and what, what he's up to uh, now that he's, he's not at the Sydney Kings as well Thanks to Hoops Heaven for bringing us that first segment here on Basketball Hustle for this week. And, of course, now that Christmas is nearing, I'm sure everybody listening needs to go out and get some some Christmas presents. Or you might even need to give some gift ideas to those that are near and dear to you. So who better than to go to Hoops Heaven? If you're a basketball fan, if you know somebody who's a basketball fan, or if you just need some basketball gear for yourself, there's no better place in Australia than Hoops Heaven. You can check them out at hoopsheaven.com.au or, indeed, if you're in Perth, head to their store in Murray Street. Everything you can ever imagine from your basketball jerseys, your shirts, your shorts, your socks, your singlets, your jumpers, your jackets, your pants, anything and everything you can imagine. All of your NBA teams are in stock. There's NBL first ever merchandise in stock, including the city jerseys, which you would have seen the NBL teams wearing this past weekend, including RJ Hampton, LaMelo Ball, and your Perth Wildcats stars. Everything you can imagine from Nike, Adidas, Jordan, all of the the big name brands, 
everything you can imagine. So head to hoopsheaven.com.au, head to their store in person, and when you get to check out, thanks to Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle, use the code word HUSTLE and you'll get a very special discount. If you're in store, just mention the podcast to the boys in the store and you'll get a special discount. I couldn't recommend them more, more highly, so please support them. It's hoopsheaven, hoopsheaven.com.au. Okay, back here on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle and a very special guest this week, an, an NBL legend, an Australian basketball legend. And, and as he told me last year, once you become a Hall of Famer, being a Hall of Famer is all that matters. So let's introduce him as that. The Hall of Famer, Lenar Copeland, thanks very much for joining me. Good to be here, Chris. How are you? Very good, very good. Now, I'm talking to you on, on Thanksgiving over in the United States. Obviously, it's a massive time for football. Now that you've been in Australia for, well, almost almost 30, 30 years, do you still celebrate Thanksgiving? And is Thanksgiving football still a big part of your life? Absolutely. I mean, Thanksgiving itself is the biggest holiday besides Christmas in America. And, um, you know, my family, they do the big Thanksgiving dinner and everyone's at the house and watching the football game. So it's sort of a tradition. They've already rang me early this morning. Um, I get home today and, and, and there's always football on television. Um, the NBA sort of stepped aside to let the NFL take over. And, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 a, I'm a massive NFL fan as well. Now, you grew up in Georgia. Does that mean you're a Falcons man, or is it more of college football with the, the Georgia Bulldogs? Where do your loyalties lie? All loyalties are supposed to lie with the Atlanta Falcons, but the Falcons <laughs> have let me down so many times that <laughs> I've jumped shit, and I'm a now a Green Bay Packers fan. I just wow, like the okay. way Aaron Rodgers throws that ball, and I like the way they, they go about um, you know their offense and they play. And I love the way they play. So um, Falcons, I grew up being a Falcons fan, you know, with all the red. And, and, but but as soon as I got here in Australia, didn't see a lot of football, so I sort of lost touch. But yep. now I'm jumping on the bandwagon with, with Green Bay, and I've been with them for about five or six years. Well, it's always football that was the major sport growing up. Was basketball always sort of just behind just behind football in terms of life in, in Georgia? Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. I was more of a football player or, and a football fan than I was a basketball fan. I started playing basketball at a young age, but I never played for any team or any association or any club. I, my first uniform, I was 19 years old playing for a Division One college basketball team, which is Georgia yeah. State. I got cut in high school my junior and senior year. Uh, but then, you know, in football, in, 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 in high school, my senior year, I played football. Um, and uh, I didn't do quite well. I didn't do that well, but there was something I just loved to do and I wanted to, I wanted to be a part of a team. And so football was always my first love. You wouldn't have been a bad running back. Was that your position or where did you play? No, no, I was a wide receiver and yep. a kicker and extra points kicker. I don't think that surprises anybody. Once we saw you running up and down the basketball floor, that seems to make a lot of sense. Um, that, that, let's move on to what you're up to now. Obviously, it's been a pretty hectic past 24 months with you back involved in the NBL, obviously assistant coach at the Sydney Kings. Um, what's this NBL season like for you now that you're not in, not as closely involved in, in the league again? Well, it's refreshing. <laughs> I enjoyed my time in Sydney. I learned a lot under the great man, Andrew Gaze, and 
it's a different game than when we play. Um, the, the, the players are more involved, I would say, as far as running the show and, and, and telling you what they need and what they want. Playing back in our day, it was all about just showing up and playing basketball. Mm. But, you know, I, I, I certainly learned a lot. I wouldn't change anything. Um, we won 18 games last year, which was the best. And then we finished, although we finished third, it was the, the most wins. Melbourne United at 18 and Perth at 18. So, yeah. we just, although we didn't win a championship, we thought we had a successful year. Um, and I'm very proud of what we did in Sydney because when we got there, they were they weren't as good, mm-hmm. and when we left there, they were a lot better. So you know, it, it, not every coach is going to win a championship, but if you can learn and move on and and, and, and try to help someone else, then I think you know you got to pat yourself on the back. Yeah, I think absolutely you can link. The, the successful way they've started this season to the work that that, that you and Drury and, and everybody did the last two years to get them in this in this position. Obviously, they've got the talent on the floor, but it, it's one thing to have the talent. You've also got to have the chemistry there, and you also need, I guess, the the backroom staff and everything else clicking as well. Which over the last two years, you could feel like everything was starting to come into place. And now, obviously, if you look at the way they've started this season, everything's everything's you know continued on that path. Absolutely. People ask me all the time, are you upset that you guys didn't do as well? And I'm like, no, man, I'm, I'm actually very proud of the Kings. I'm, I'm proud that I put a, we put a stamp on those guys for three years. I mean, we were there for three years with yeah. our family. You know, we, we, it was, it was, and working on the, on the jewelry, it was work, work, work. There was no time for play because he wanted to, he wanted to do well. And we put the time in. So, uh, very proud of those guys. You know, like you said, the people in the background that don't get a lot of attention, those are the ones that, that make that ship run. And uh, with the players, you got to have talent. And it looks like they're enjoying themselves and, and get on. You obviously had a lot of talent to work with last year, but the team they've got this season, now that they've added Xavier Cooks as well, another boomer player who was in the World Cup squad, to Didi Lozada, who looks like being capable of being an NBA star this time next year. Casper Ware's now now in that group, and you had those, and, and just Sean Tate is a, has been a, probably the biggest surprise packet. You had those guys pretty much to some of the superstars you had last year, obviously Bogut, and I haven't seen Kevin Lish yet. Um, it's an amazingly talented group that they've got. And, you look, and that can go either one or two ways. I mean, if they're unselfish, then you look at them as championship favorites because there's no more talent, no other team as talented as those guys in this league. But then when you add, uh, the other way it can be when you add a Cooks and you bring a Kevin Rich back and try to put those guys in the lineup or put, get those guys playing time, it hurts the guys that are playing well right now. Now, if they're able to handle it, then I'll say they win a championship. Sometimes you can have too much talent. I know people that know basketball know exactly what I'm saying when I say this. Sometimes too much talent can hurt you because mm-hmm. guys become selfish. Guys are worried about their shots. And and it, it hurts the chemistry more than it helps the chemistry. Well, ultimately, you only have one ball as well. There's only so many shots to There's go around. And it's, yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> Um, massive game this Sunday when Melbourne United goes up to Sydney. There's a, a great rivalry there that's that's naturally inbuilt between the two cities. You saw it last year in the playoffs. There's a bit of a bit of bad blood between the two clubs. What are you expecting? What are you expecting this Sunday? I'm expecting 
expecting Nick Dogg fight. I'm expecting both teams to come out hard. I know Casper Ware is a true professional, a real player. Um, but then on the other hand, Dean Vickerman, who's head coach of Northern United, will have those boys ready to go. I mean, although they play on, they play tonight in Cairns, I think it is. They know in order to win a championship, you got to go through Sydney. So I think they'll be more prepared for the Sydney game than Will Cairns, although they're professional enough to win them both. I, I give the slight edge to, to Sydney because they're at home. Now, your playing career was throughout, largely throughout the, the 1990s when you were at your absolute peak, and that's when basketball in Australia was at its absolute peak, and you played in some monstrous crowds, and you played at a time where where you guys were, were superstars. Did you ever think basketball would get to a point where it is now in 2019 where, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had 17,000 people at a Sydney Kings game. We've got NBA superstars, future NBA superstars like Lamelo Ball and RJ Hampton wanting to come out and play in Australia. We've got the eyes of the basketball world in a lot Always on the NBL. Did you ever think basketball in Australia could get to the point that it's at at right now? Hey, you know what? People ask that question, and everyone says, "No, I never." Thought. I did because mm-hmm. in the early '90s, basketball was on the rise. If you were a basketball fan in the '90s and you played in the rivalry, you played Melbourne versus the Magic, or Melbourne versus North Melbourne, or you played Perth Melbourne. Uh, I mean, we played in a, ch- in a championship in a in a, in a Playoff game against Perth, we had 15,500 at Ron Labor Arena. So it was on the rise. The early 90s, it was definitely on the rise. Now, Larry's done a magnificent job. You don't want to take anything away from that. And it's all, and it's still going. And, and let's hope it can go as far as we want it to go. But I always thought that in basketball, because of the participation in, in, in Australia and the love for the game, basketball has no feeling. It could go as far as you let it. And, and and this being a massive Melbourne, especially being a massive football uh, state, um, you know, basketball is always second fiddle. But because there's so many games on television now, and like you said, the mellow ball and all these guys coming out and the NBA involved, who's to say where it goes? But I'm just absolutely proud that I, I was a part of it, and I'm proud that I played my part in helping whoever I could and being here for this long in a country that loves, loves the game that I love. When I spoke to you last year, you talked about how when you were coaching players today, you were trying to get them to have that same attitude that some of you guys had back back, in, back when you were playing, to have that trash talk and to have that swagger and to want to want to face up against a against up a guy, dribble the ball and, and just want to take him on one-on-one and just to have that, that confidence about you. Is there somebody that you look at in the NBA right now that you wish you could have a one-on-one battle with? Uh, there's, there's, there's plenty of guys. Chris <laughs> Bowling, Jasper Ware, Jerome Randall, all these guys that did it done night in and night out would have been the guys that I had to guard. I mean, me and Andrew were, were the two guards, but I always took the, the defensive side of things. Uh, we love we love Andrew Gage, but we know he didn't play any defense. <laughs> we all know that. So, but, but I would have loved that if you had a chance to play against those guys. Now, I, last year when we had Jerome Randall and Kevin Rich, uh, you know, you know, they used to talk trash to me and Andrew. And he used to say, you know, we would kill you guys. You guys couldn't do this. We can't do that. And you're too slow. And, and we'd always say, well, look at the height. Andrew played one and I played two. And each of you guys are midget or so small. <laughs> we would just take you to the box and post you up. You know, so, it, 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 you know, I'm sure they would they would give us their best. And we'd give them, you know, give them our best. But it's, uh, it's a lot of guys in this league that I would love to, love to have a challenge with. 
When I think back to watching you play when I, when I was younger, it was a funny one where I, I grew up in Geelong. So originally I supported the Supercats and then, then I lost them as a team. And then for some reason, I'd always support the team that was at, that was not not the Tigers. So whether it was the Magic or, or the Giants or, or, or whatever it was. Yeah, and that was what it was a bit like in, in Victoria back back then. You either loved the Tigers or you hated them. But for some reason, now I'm not just saying this because you're you're talking to me here, but you were my favorite player, even though I... I, I didn't enjoy seeing the Tigers Tigers win. How, how often do you now come across guys that, that say that you were their childhood hero? And what, what's that feeling like? I, you know, I do, I do, I do uh, a lot of clinics, and I train a lot of kids. I got my little, I got a program going where I do kids before school. But last week, I was doing a program out of one of the associations, and I was, it was just, and the guy wanted me to come out and sign some autographs, and take some photos. It was a singing day or something. And the amount, and I say this all the time, the amount of parents and grandparents that come up to mm-hmm. me and ask for a photo. Kids have no idea who I am. Yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm 54 years old. They, they, they went around. They don't know. They know, they know where and Randall and Gooling and those guys. And then their mothers and fathers would come up and say, you know, this guy, he was a superstar back in the day, you know. And so it is what it is. You know, I, I love it. I love the fact that the parents appreciate what I, the time and the effort that I put in. Uh, but, you know, time time doesn't stop for anyone. And, mm-hmm. You know, time flies. So at the end of the day, my, my career is over. I just want to hang around and try to help as many young kids as I can to be good players. Because I know once you get to that level, once you get to that that, that, that Level like to be now, my co-host on this podcast is Sean Redditch, and unfortunately, he couldn't join us for this conversation. But in some ways, you've got a similar story in terms of coming coming from you know humble beginnings back in the United States. You come out to Australia just for a chance, and you end up becoming NBL superstars, and you end up living in Australia, you know, beyond your careers as well. But in a lot of ways, you couldn't be more different as well. He, I don't think he quite has your style, and I don't think he quite had your style on the court either. Um, you, you spent a little bit of time playing with against him towards the end of your career. When you think of, and obviously coached against him later on, um, what comes to mind when you you think of Sean Reddy? Offensive-minded. Sean Reddy was, you, you had to, I, I, you had to change your defense for Sean Reddy. You had to, when we were in practice and there was a scouting, we have what we call, call it scouting days where we talk about players and what they can do and what they can't do and who you can go after and who you can't go after. Sean Reddy was the type of player where on the defensive end, on the offensive end, you had to make sure that you knew where he was. You had to send a double team when he got the ball. Uh, you, you couldn't leave them open for open shots. So he would make you change your defense. Um, another guy in mind like that was a, was a Daniel Kickett. Our first year, Daniel Kickett was in Brisbane. And yeah. we picked Daniel Kickett up that second and third year. Yeah. And this slow, not, not as athletic, but got it done night in and night out. And so, and look, look, Sean Reddish was, was absolutely, he played fantastic basketball for the first Wildcats. I mean, whenever you played the first Wildcats, the early days was really great. Whenever you played later in the season, it was always Sean Reddish. So you had to change, you had to change your defense. Now, just touching on, on on what you're up to now, but also your future. When I spoke to you last year around the Hall of Fame time, you were you, you talked about how you wanted to be a head coach in the NBA one day, but you probably felt you weren't quite ready. What do you feel like you need to do to get yourself to a point where you can put your hand up to coach in the NBL and, and try to make, make the best of it? 
Well, first of all, you need to read that opportunity. There's only nine teams in this league. And so there's, there's a stack of guys with their hand up. There's a stack of guys similar to, you know, me who played the game and who want to get back. Um, but if you got that opportunity, I, I mean, I, I'm sure I can handle it. I, I coach now at a smaller division, uh, at a, at a uh, smaller association called the Altona Gators. Uh, and I've coached at Brock Meadows and I've coached at all these different, you know, different smaller associations. So that's not the, that's not the, the problem. The problem is, getting the right people with you. I mean, it's a job that you can't do by yourself. You're going to need great coaches around you. You're going to need great, um, you're going to need great people in the office. You know, you're going to need talented players. So, it, 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 and, you know, these coaches that win all these games, everyone looks at them as if they're geniuses. But I don't care what, if you don't have the horses, it's not going to work. You don't have good coaches, good assistant coaches around you to help you because you can't see everything. You don't know everything. You can't hear everything. So you got to, you got to need that whole, that whole group of people around you to help you out. So, and that's where a lot of coaches are letting themselves down because they want to try to do it all themselves. But honestly, I've been around long enough to know you got to have, you got to have a support staff. If you don't, then it's not going to work. Absolutely. Um, now, just finally, I've caught you fresh off the golf course, and you had a had a round with Andrew Gaze, Nigel Purchase, and I think it was Mark Bradkey. Um, who's who's the best out of the four of you? Mark Bradkey was the best out of the four. Today, I was the best. I okay. won today. I shot a forty-three, and we only played nine every Friday. But here's the remarkable story: Mark Bradkey just had a knee replacement mm. five weeks ago, and today was his first day back on the golf course, and he shot a forty-five. <laughs> amazing. He rolled around in a cart. He walked, but he and he still he just hit that ball straight along. But we all mean Daisy and Nigel are all about the same. Uh, but Bradkey's probably is. A little bit better than us, but today we need the gold medal. Very good. Um, well, Leonard, I mean, I, it's an absolute pleasure getting to talk to you anytime I get the chance to. And I could keep talking to you all day, but I do need to let you go because you've got a busy life to lead. But thanks very much for joining us here on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle and all the best for, for whatever the future holds. Chris, my pleasure. And I'm sure I'll speak to you again, my, my friend. Well, it's fourth quarter time, thanks to Devlin's and Subiaco. And today I want to talk about an, something that I've been thinking about over the last few weeks, especially with the success of the Next Stars program and where the league is headed. What's the next thing they can do to really take this league to what they're aiming for to be the second best league in the world? And my idea is to bring the NBA Next Star team and play them out of Canberra. And the reason for this one, you've already got a center of excellence there. So you bring a, an actual NBA players that don't want to go to college, but want to play in a professional environment, get themselves ready for that NBA season in the year or two and actually put them in a team. And so they become the NBA Next Stars team. And now they play against these NBL teams in the NBL, in the league. And maybe they don't play a full home schedule. Maybe they only play one game uh, versus every team, and then they play two on the road. But what's going to happen is you've got LaMelo Ball coming to Perth twice a year. Those teams, the crowds are going to come out and want to watch these NBA future NBA stars play. And you can say that you saw them when they were, uh, they were still before they got became NBA superstars. And I think they're going to be a big draw card. The NBA is starting to really get their foot into the junior development world. 
world as well. They've got their NBA Junior World Championships that they run now. And so you just starting to see they're, they're thinking long term, but they've never really had a team like that progress. Uh, and I think it's just a great opportunity for one, the NBL and the NBA to align and for the NBA to actually send a whole team. Now, if you had LaMelo Ball, RJ Hampton, Didi Lozada all on one team, and maybe you throw in a few more either imports or second rounders to kind of make sure the team is competitive. But I think it's an exciting concept and, and something that no other league in the world would have. And the fact that Australia and USA are pretty similar in, in, in cultures and obviously the language barriers that, that these guys may have if they go overseas to, say, a European country, I think there's a lot of benefits there to bringing an NBA Next Stars team. And I think Canberra is a logical location for it. You've got the AIS Arena. You would get government support. You've already got the NBA Academy over there as well. So there's a lot of facilities, especially that centers of, center of excellence. We know how many NBA guys have actually come out of the Australian Center, center of Excellence and into the Boomers and, and on their way to the NBA. So they do a great job of development. And I think it's the, the next step for these guys as far as pathway. And it gives them a legitimate pathway. You know, they can come over to Australia, play a year or two, earn some good coin, and then they go on to uh, play professional. Or maybe they even stay out here. Maybe they love it and they turn into a Lennar Copeland and, and, and become a lifer out here. Or say myself as well, you know, love the Australian culture and you, you get more uh, more guys exposed to uh, to what the great lifestyle we have here, here in Australia. So I think the NBA Next Star initiative, I, th- I would be great. And then you would have uh, a whole team of these future NBA superstars come out here and play. And uh, those guys go, those guys see each other on a regular basis, whether it be playing AU ball. So they become friends. So, you know, you get one or two and they talk to their friends. All right, we're going to bring out a whole team. We got the top 10 players. Instead of going to college, they come out here. It's a legitimate pathway. They can earn a little bit extra money. They learn what it's like to be a pro. I think that it's a uh, an exciting initiative and something that would really stand out and put the NBL even further on the on the world map as far as development and where it where it's leading into the future. So love to hear your ideas on uh, if you think this is a great idea. If you don't like it, what would work? Maybe you have a better idea. Love to hear from you. Let's uh, get in touch with us over social media and we'll uh, do our best to get back to you. That's the fourth quarter segment this week. Okay, thanks. Sean, for that fourth quarter segment. Hopefully it gets people talking. It's a revolutionary idea, but I, I like it. And we'll talk about it more next week on the show and, and see what sort of feedback it's got as well, because I think it's an idea that certainly has some legs. And thanks to Devlin's for bringing it to us. Now let's move into a preview of round nine, because things are starting to heat up. And, you know, I think a lot of us feel like the top three positions are, are pretty secure. It's just a matter of which order Sydney, Perth and Melbourne end up finishing in. But that fourth place, I think almost everyone can still finish in that fourth spot. Maybe Maybe except for the breakers, but um, some of these games are now going to be really crucial in deciding who ends up in fourth spot. So let's let's get into a preview of this weekend's action. And it starts Friday night. The Cairns Taipans. Speaking of needing to win, they need to bounce back because they would have been disappointed to lose in Wollongong on Monday night. They've already beaten Melbourne United once at home this season. Can they do it again on Friday night? Well, look, they've beaten the Perth Wildcats twice. They beat Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had their chances. A Lamelo Ball three. Uh, Sunk their chances there in Illawarra to send it to overtime. So 
you know, I, I think Cans are starting to kind of find their groove a little bit. And, yep. uh, you know, but I think Melbourne United, they've, they've won five straight. They're on a roll. I think they'll get this one um, and just the way they're playing. And the first first game up on Saturday, New Zealand Breakers, Illawarra Hawks. I'm sure there'll be plenty of attention on RJ Hampton playing against Lamelo Ball once again, as we as we saw the first time they played over at Spike Arena. It was a, a full house, and the eyes of the basketball world were, were on this game. Um, it's a crucial game for both teams, though, if they want to want to keep their seasons alive. Well, I expect yeah, there's be some uh, a lot of NBA scouts there for that one, and uh, and there's going to be a lot of attention, especially after Lamelo Ball triple double. So you know, and that's the great thing. I mean, you look at these two teams, and they're bottom of the ladder, but the excitement that they bring because they've got R.J. Hampton and Lamelo Ball is, mm-hmm. is fantastic. So I'm looking forward to that matchup as well. I just think uh, Illawarra will get this one with uh, New Zealand break. Because if they're without Corey Webster, I think it's, mm. it's going to be hard for them to uh, to get that win. And second up on Saturday, Brisbane Bullets playing the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. The Phoenix, their second game only now for the season away from Melbourne. The first time in Perth didn't go to plan when they lost by by thirty points. Can they travel to Brisbane and get the win? Yeah, I think it's uh, you know they haven't really been road tested yet, and the one road test you did and the wall test. Uh, you know, had their way with them. So, and Brisbane Bullets are still they're a little bit up and down, but I think at home they'll they'll get this one over the South East Melbourne Phoenix. Ned, first up on Sunday, Sean has all the hallmarks of a classic game: Sydney Kings, Melbourne United at the at Kudos Bank Arena. I would expect well and truly over ten thousand people there for the game. They're the two informed teams of the competition. Could be a grand final preview. What are you expecting? Well, I'm just looking at the Paul Smith, the King's owner, uh, discussion on Twitter. And this, this is his comments. This is personal. Our team and supporters were not treated very well in Melbourne for a few weeks ago. Get off the ledge, Sydney. I'll be unhappy if our fans don't throw a moped off level two onto the court. So <laughs> you can see where the Sydney Kings are looking at this game. They're uh, yeah. happy last time they were in Melbourne and be looking for revenge. Uh, it's the only team to beat them this year so far. So it should be an explosive matchup. And, uh, and I think, I think Sydney at home should get this one and, uh, Casper Ware to, uh, get revenge on his old team. Are we expecting Xavier Cooks to play or when are we expecting him to first, first play? Do you know? You know, the fact that he's not an import, you know, he's coming back as an Australian, I think yeah. he should be quicker than, than you would think. So, uh, I expect him to, uh, to line up. Now, how much court time he's going to get on a team that's 10 and 1 and, and that is rolling will be remain to be seen. But, you know, he might, uh, take some minutes off some of the other guys, but I don't expect him to, to play massive minutes, but I'm sure they'll still introduce him into the team pretty slowly. Last up in round nine, the longest and oldest rivalry in the league, Perth Wildcats and the Adelaide 36ers at RAC Arena. Tough one to call because both of them need a win. Both of them are a bit up and down at the moment and you add in the rivalry factor and it's always a, a game to look forward to. Yeah, and, and Adelaide played them well. It was only a, uh, you know, they, they just got over the line against them. Some Damian Martin-inspired defense there and, and some big shots, I think, from Tariko White. Got them the game over there in Adelaide. So, but it's different when you're playing at RSC Arena and the first Wildcats will be upset. Uh, they're lost to Cairns. So I, I expect them to come out with a little bit more energy on defense and see if they can complete four quarters.
What do you know about Toriko White's status? Do you expect him to play? Well, look, just some some footage. It looks like he is gonna. He's been training, so he's been out there. Uh, you know, not full on training, but I expect him to play. I mean, he's he's had the the full week, and and the fact that he's out there on the court during this session or during the week will should hold him in good stead. The fact that the game's on Sunday, so he's got a few extra days to to get ready. There we go. should be a fascinating weekend of NBL action. There's been plenty to talk about on this show, Sean. It's been a, a jam-packed show when you think about everything that's happening across the league. And you add in our, our guests as well, plus your fourth quarter segment, which we desperately want your feedback on. So get in touch with us through any of our social media channels and we'll we'll discuss your comments next week here on the show. Thanks always to Hoops7, hoops7.com.au for bringing it to you with the support of ID Athletic and Devlins. Um, we're enjoying bringing this to you, so hopefully you're enjoying listening. We'll be back again next week, but before we leave you, Sean, what have you? What can you leave our listeners with for another week? Well, I think you're right, Bucket. We want to hear what's your thoughts on, uh, you know, the NBA Next Star program happening out of Canberra potentially, and uh, and and what that does to the league. Could it give the exposure and and kind of build the NBL, which is what their grand plan is, kind of be the second best league in the world. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Let us know. Have a great time.